0: You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at FoxSports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Or if you're watching the show on Facebook, on Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, at ESPN 106.7. Also call into the show at 334-321-1390. That's how you can interact with us. Also find us on Twitter at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Levi, how you doing today, my man?
1: It's going. It's going. First of all, I want to say rest in peace to Colt Brennan, a childhood idol of mine, quarterback who played at Hawaii, famously led them to the Sugar Bowl against Georgia, had a lot of record-setting performances and seasons out there at Hawaii, and he was a Heisman finalist, so he was one of the guys that I grew up watching. I think I was in the seventh grade when they went on that run, and it was just fun because you know me. I've always been a late-night person. Like I've always been a night owl, even then. And it was fun to see Hawaii getting that recognition in those late night games. They were always on ESPN. So once all the other college football died down for the day, I could always turn on and watch some some pretty good and fun football and with legitimate broadcasts on ESPN because Hawaii was relevant that year. So I just first of all wanted to say that
0: played Georgia that season, right?
1: They did play Georgia in that BCS in that, Bowl, in and that, that Sugar, Sugar Bowl. Bowl. Yeah didn't didn't go for didn't go too well for them in that Sugar Bowl. Georgia came to play. That was a really good Georgia team, but. It was a magical season nonetheless, and I mean, it was a guy who was plagued with some injuries throughout his, you know, once he started the pro career, had the head injury in the car accident, and he, he battled a, a tough battle after that, so I, I will never forget those, those plays and those games that I was watching at that young age.
0: Moving around here with some Auburn news. That's how we're going to start off the show today, talking about UAB grad transfer Tony Fair via 24-7 sports he said he'll be making his decision on Wednesday we also await Donovan Kaufman's decision from Vanderbilt but those seem to be the two most pressing players for Auburn football in the transfer portal what could Auburn be getting out of Tony Fair from UAB I
1: mean you're getting a you're getting a guy who can play the position that honestly you could probably use some help I mean you've got guys who have left who you could really fill in and let's be honest you can never really have too many defensive linemen, in my opinion. I think, especially with where this league is going, you could always have a guy who's just going to disrupt up front, make the quarterback hard. Even if you're not an edge rusher type of guy, you can have guys who just clog some holes up the middle, make make it hard for them to establish the run game, which in turn is going to make it harder for them to get the pass going. I I mean, I think if you're getting a guy out of Tony Fair from UAB, I think you can get a like you're getting a good piece, especially when you're looking at Auburn's interior defensive line this guy's built like a nose tackle you look at his attributes you look at his his weight his size this guy is a true nose tackle when it comes to just the size and dimensions that he has he could come in and really clog up the holes down there
0: he'll be one of the largest guys on the defensive line at 335 pounds six foot three I like that height as well at nose tackle the guy's going to be able to get pretty good pad height at six foot three. I still feel like as well. You're, you're talking about a nose tackle here. Frame-wise, that fits the bill 100% just as well as anybody else on this roster. Bit of a journey, man. Started his career at Indiana State before he ended up at the JUCO level. After his JUCO stint, he ended up at UAB where he spent two seasons with the Blazers and now he's got one season left. Of college football after all of this time that he has spent in college football. It'll add some experience to the defensive line where Auburn still has some youth, but it's a nice blend of experience, guys that have been in the program for several years now. You think of Zykevis Walker, you think of Derek Hall, you think of Tyrone Truesdale for sure, about guys that have been in the program for some time, but then you talk about new guys coming in, like Eku Leota, and then some of the younger guys that were trying to make a push like Jeremiah Wright, who then goes down with injury. And then on top of that, you have Jay Hardy, who enters into the transfer portal. So, with those two guys going and two guys that Auburn may have factored in to playing this upcoming year, well, now you need a new body, and Tony Fair is a big
1: body. It's a really big body, and he could really help out, especially when you put it like that, where you've lost some guys that you might have expected to play a little, you know, play throughout the year. You could get a guy who has just an immense amount of size, and you could really kind of mold this guy. He's a veteran guy; he's been around the, you know, been around college football for a good bit here. You could put him in, and expect him to perform at a decent level. Like he might not be the most, he, he might not be the most overperforming. He might not just jump off the page and off the film, but he is a guy who has played enough college football to where you could bring him in and rotate in him rotate him in and out and get some good value out of a guy that you're picking up, oh, I don't know, you know, towards the middle of May. Like, if you can get a guy like this in the middle of, middle of May, he's not just jumping off the page, but it is a guy who does present some value to your team, especially after all the transfers that, are, that have happened. I'm just interested to see what Tony Fair decides to do, whether he stays in the South, stays in the state of Alabama that he's become familiar with, make the jump up from UAB to Auburn or does he go somewhere where he has more potential to be a starter or a star type of player I'm not saying to
0: miss and Purdue or the other two locations
1: yeah and Purdue is going back home to his roots he is an Indiana native and then Ole Miss look Ole Miss can use anybody on the defensive line the defense in general defensive line especially they could use any help they need he might stick out more at Ole Miss or Purdue or Purdue because they need a little bit more help there I'm not sure what he what does he factor in and what is more important to him at this stage I'm interested to see where his head lies and what decision he makes and feels is best for himself
0: it's a different target Auburn appears to want him yes from what Aub- you read Auburn appears to want him you just don't know to what degree not to what degree Auburn wants him because I think Auburn wants him pretty bad but how does Auburn plan to use him does he factor in to be a major player on the defensive line, or does he end up being a depth piece? And just looking at the depth chart with all the defensive linemen that Auburn has, I would imagine Lee Hunter, Tyrone Truesdale, and Colby Wooden alongside Eku Leota, those four guys, all would factor in to play more than Tony Fair. So I see more of a depth piece here with Tony Fair coming to Auburn, but if he were to go to Ole Miss or Purdue maybe he would be a starter at those locations so that's kind of weighing your options there or do you want to make it to the league because you may not have a better shot at making it to the league just because you may be playing more at Ole Miss and Purdue may not give you a shot it just depends it just depends this late in your career and when you're coming from locations such as Indiana State the JUCO level and UAB it's going to be difficult to make it to the NFL but it just kind of depends on what he wants to do another guy that is thinking about making his decision we don't know when he's going to make his decision but another guy that's out there that Auburn's targeting Donovan Kaufman he's got a crystal ball prediction to Auburn according to the 24-7 sports guys he's got a crystal ball prediction to Auburn but he's also considering Texas as well this is the safety from Vanderbilt
1: and to be fair Tony Fair also has a crystal ball prediction to Auburn as well that I'm seeing on t- 24-7 Sports. And it makes sense. Stay inside the state. Of course. But yeah, Donovan Coffin makes, makes sense from his perspective because he is coming from Vanderbilt, which, oh, by the way, that's where defense coordinator Derek Mason was from. If you didn't, you know, if you've just been living under a rock and didn't understand that, it makes sense for him to come down here, you know, get with his old coach. Not really, ha- he won't have to learn too much of anything different. And he stays in the Southeast and he stays in the SEC in general. It makes sense for him to come down here from that kind of perspective, and you're looking at an Auburn secondary, which we're expecting to be one of the best secondaries in the country, and you can just come in and be a a piece to that. You could be a nice depth piece. You could work your way into playing a good bit it, like it makes sense for me it's not as big of a logjam at the safety position that i view chris
0: thompson jr's gone you need yeah, a safety now exactly. you need a body at safety now and, like th- and, and when he comes here he will play he'll be a backup but he will play
1: yes simply for the fact that chris thompson jr is out of the program now you bring him in you can use him you can use kaufman
0: it's a step up though you go from losing every single game you played at vanderbilt to now being a part of a winning program.
1: Yeah, to competing and being a part of what you just said, a winning program with a history of winning, not Vanderbilt where you're used to just...
0: And you factor into a starting role the next season if you stick around, because I thought Chris Thompson would end up being a starter after Smoke Monday left. Kaufman can now... Be that. Put his foot in the door and be the next guy after Smoke Monday leaves. It makes sense. Which is imminent.
1: Yes, because you can just come in and you can... Like you said, put your foot in the door. You can get that get that little bit of, okay, so I won't start this year, but I still will get valuable playing time now because Chris Thompson Jr. is out of this position. And then I look at it like, oh, next year, who's going to be starting? Oh, it will be me. And I can come in and I can assert myself. And then next season I'm starting and it might help me project to the next level and I'll be a part of – like, he's going to be a part of a good secondary this year if he comes in and – it makes sense for him to come to Auburn a lot more than it does for tech, for him to go to Texas, but I also don't know what the connection is there with Texas. There might be something there that I am missing. It just makes a lot of sense for him to want to come to Auburn.
0: Skipping around some Auburn news, wrapping up that conversation about Auburn football. We'll come back to it later on throughout the show. We'll also have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We'll get his thoughts about what's going on with Auburn and the transfer portal. Also coming up at 3 o'clock today, we got Britt Bowen. Auburn softball play-by-play announcer as Auburn softball starts its SEC tournament trek in Tuscaloosa today at 3 p.m. as they take on the South Carolina Gamecocks it's a pre-recorded conversation with Britt Bowen we've got time for him at three o'clock today that's when we'll play that but also Auburn softball will be getting started at three o'clock today as well against the South Carolina Gamecocks so you can go and check that game out Auburn beginning its trek in Tuscaloosa and I feel like they've got a pretty favorable bracket when you look at Auburn softball taking on obviously they're in the play-in game which is not a place that you want to be at there was a discrepancy with the tiebreaker Auburn protested the SEC still stuck with Georgia as the 11th seed so that put Auburn as the 12th seed having to play South Carolina as the 13th seed in the play-in game Winner of that moves on to take on five-seed LSU, a team that Auburn beat this past weekend. Did lose two out of three against the Tigers in Baton Rouge, but Auburn did beat them one time. And that's significant because Auburn hasn't beaten many SEC teams this year. They only have like five or six wins in conference play.
1: There's a reason you're at the 12th seed. Right. There's a reason you're down there. You're not beating many SEC teams if you're down there at the 12th
0: seed. And LSU is one of those teams that Auburn has beaten and one of those teams in the league that they also were able to find some substance of offensive production at the plate. They had nine runs in game two. If you somehow beat LSU, a team who has struggled at the plate at times, just like Auburn, and your pitching can carry you through the first two games of the SEC tournament, you're on to play one of the top four seeds of the SEC tournament, who has a bye all the way to the third day of the tournament. That is four-seed Missouri, but also a beatable foe. Auburn took one game against the Missouri Tigers as well. If you're able to, across those three days, South Carolina, LSU, and Missouri, you're into the semifinals. All three of those teams, Auburn has beaten. And once again, I go back to, Auburn hasn't beaten many teams in the SEC this year, but their stretch of games in the SEC tournament will feature all teams that Auburn has beaten up until the semifinals where they would run into Florida more than likely, who's the number one overall seed at the SEC tournament. The bracket shapes up pretty nice for Auburn. I know that that sounds weird, but this Auburn team has won some games against some decent competition in the SEC. LSU, Missouri, they took two out of three against Kentucky. They've beaten teams. They just haven't won a whole lot of series. And so the Sauber team ends up as the 12th seed with a subpar season overall in the SEC. Not a whole lot of wins against a ton of teams in the conference, but at least their path through Tuscaloosa will, inc- will include three teams on their way to the semifinals if they were to advance that far against teams that they have at least shown the ability to beat.
1: And, and that, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, it, if you're in the 12th seed, it's never a good thing. If you're in the play-in game of any tournament, typically not a great thing. But it does line up quite nicely because you have seen. You're looking at these teams where you're going. We can beat these teams. We have beaten these teams before. That are that you know that path that you lay out. We have beaten these teams before. Maybe not won a series, but we got one off of them, and that's all it takes. If I get one, I move on.
0: And they've got the pitching. They enter into this stretch, or they they come out of a stretch of games where they were two and seven in the year across their last nine. In SEC play, they go into the tournament two and seven over their last nine, but they've held opponents to 2.8 runs per game. That is that is ludicrous. That is wild. You're two and seven, and you held your opponents to 2.8 or 2.9 runs per game. It's been the offense that has failed Auburn at this point on the softball diamond. But if they can find a little bit of offense here, which they happen to be able to do. When they split with South Carolina in a non-conference series at the beginning of the year, they That's took so one of ago. two. Ooh. Right. They took one of two against South Carolina. They were able to plate nine against LSU in game two. They've at least found offense against those two clubs already. If you're able to do that, it's fathomable to see Auburn in the quarterfinals against Missouri which is where I would believe that, you know, and, and look, LSU is going to be a tough team to get past. You have to keep in mind Auburn did lose two out of three against them this past weekend. It's going to be tough for Auburn to advance past tomorrow in the SEC tournament. I think it's very possible for Auburn to get to, and they should get past South Carolina tonight. But It's, tonight, also, it's but, also
1: possible that they don't beat South Carolina. I mean, you really yes, think about it. They did split with South Carolina. When you hit the way
0: that you're hitting like Auburn is right now, it's not, it's not a good product at the plate, and so you could get upset tonight. I mean, auburn is a 12 seed of course you could see auburn go on a run to the semis you could see auburn get knocked out tonight but i will say this auburn's an ncaa tournament team you've got a winning record not an sec play but overall you've got a winning record we've seen some years where 13 sec teams make it all 13 sec teams make it vanderbilt once again does not play softball for anybody who doesn't know that all 13 sec teams we've seen that in the past make the ncaa tournament auburn very well You know, even if they were 13th in the league this year, could have gone. Auburn's 12th. They have a winning record overall. They have some okay wins from non-conference plays, such as a win over Florida State. They had the two out of three against Kentucky. Auburn's a tournament team, regardless of whether or not they win today against South Carolina. But depending on how far they go in conference, in this conference tournament, that will decide what kind of seed they are. But I highly doubt they end up as a four seed somewhere. So it doesn't really matter whether you're a two or a three you play the other one, right? Like, it doesn't yeah, it matter does, in, the, it doesn't in the way matter. that the NCAA tournament is for baseball or softball. So,
1: it doesn't really matter too much that two or three. And again, just looking at that, if they can make it to the quarters, you, you kind of like their chance against Missouri. Like, it, it just it's so good. You look at it, and I'm like, they really were you're in. Every, you're in every one of those games when you played in that series, one of which, if
0: I'm not mistaken, went to extra innings. They're in most all of the games that they played, just like Auburn baseball is. It's just a different product. Auburn yeah. softball can't can't hit Auburn baseball can can't pitch but Auburn softball can pitch and You'll lose, a, Auburn softball go look at all their all their all scores it,
1: it's like three to one all it takes is just to get some sort of the bats alive if they can get a little hot with the bats get a little bit of offense this team can can make make some good runs it's not that they're not talented they just haven't been able to hit all year
0: on the other side of this break, we talk about look man why why are people upset about tim tebow trying to play some football we talk about that on the other side of this break you're on the line with noah gardner and levi Fitzwater, ESPN and espn 106.7 in at fox sports central alabama we got justin ferguson of the auburn observer on the line with us justin how you doing today my man
2: i'm all right how are y'all
0: we're doing great on this fantastic Tuesday afternoon and since we last talked a week ago or about a week ago we've seen another Auburn player transfer out of the program late last week Kamal Haddon Juco guy a part of this year's class leaves the Auburn program what situation does this put the Auburn defensive backfield in from a scholarship perspective but also from a depth perspective for Auburn moving into next season
2: yeah, I think the cornerback spot was one of those places where if you had to lose a guy, you were going to be pretty fine there. Uh, Kamal hadn't had a great 8A game. Had a great second half to his to his uh, spring practice, it felt like. But, I mean, you look at the corners on this team, and there's going to be some movement. Guys can play different positions, but, you know, you look at corners, Roger McCreary, Drayshon Miller, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, you know, you've got uh, Jalen Simpson, uh, you know, and then Marco Domio, there's Eric Reid over there. I mean, Kamal Haddon was gonna have a hard time. I think it was gonna be a battle just to break the two deep, um, honestly, in the in that spot, just because of Auburn bringing in Dre Sean Miller and and doing, you know moving some guys around. And so, uh, for a guy like Kamal Haddon, if he has an opportunity to go somewhere else right away and not have to sit out, you take that chance. You take that chance. Uh, he's on a shorter clock as a Juco guy than some of these others, so he doesn't have time to kind of sit around and wait. Um, so I think. You know, he's a guy that signed with a different coaching staff, uh, was set to play in a different system, and just wasn't high enough up on the depth chart. I don't think to to you know make him want to stay around and and stick it out. And so, uh, Auburn's got plenty of corners. They got plenty of corners. They got some more DBs coming in that could play the cornerback position. Um, so I think they're going to be fine from a depth perspective there. Uh, this was one of those one of those moves that you saw that you could say, okay, this purely looks like a depth playing time kind of thing.
0: What's next for Marco Domio, who appears to be sitting at fifth on that depth chart now that Kamal Haddon's gone? How many more years does he have in a Tiger uniform? Because I guess, I mean, he could take off for the NFL after this year if he wanted to, but what what does the path to playing time look like for Domio, who who appears to be sticking around? Yeah,
2: Domio is an interesting case because I think when he's healthy, uh, he's a guy that they really, really, really like. I think yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Auburn handles that, that nickel position this year. Um, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett played a lot of it in free practices. Uh, we have, you know, we know that, uh, that you know, they've moved guys, to, different guys around in, in certain spots uh, to play that nickel position. And, you know, is Pritchett's home going to be there moving forward? Is it going to be more of a corner uh, moving forward? And with, with Dration Miller coming into the picture, from West Virginia, you would expect him to be an outside guy pretty much solidly. And, and so, I mean, I think if, if if there's guys who kick inside like Pritchett, there's going to be some opportunities for a guy like Miller to stand up. I mean, you need, you know, in, the, in life in the SEC, you absolutely must have three super reliable cornerbacks uh, to make it, uh, you know, with the amount of passing you see and the amount of talent with the outside receivers in the league. And I think four would be you know, tremendous. And so, I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy route, uh, you know, by any means. Jalen Simpson, I think, did a really good job in spring practice of, of really showing that he can be um, one of those guys contributing out there. So I think with a guy like Domeo, um, you know, I don't see him starting this season, but I think he can play a really big role just because uh, I think Garrett Mason is going to want to mix and match some of these guys when they go nickel, when they go dime, um, and a guy like him who's got some experience at the outside uh, corner spot will uh will always have a uh, have a role i think on this team
0: speaking with justin ferguson of the auburn observer we it, it appears that the transfer wave the second transfer wave here after spring practice has stopped because it's been a little bit since we had we have had a transfer when you were having one you know almost daily for auburn football last week who do you think will be the costliest transfer out of the auburn program of this group that we just saw post spring practice
2: yeah, I think it's just Chris Thompson Jr. right now, just because of the depth they have at safety or the lack thereof right now. They're they're going after Diamond Kaufman from Vanderbilt, and um, you know it's going to be down between Auburn and Texas for him. And you know if Auburn picks up Kaufman, he's a good replacement for for Thompson. Uh, same age, he's got a little bit more experience. You know, just because of he, he started at Vanderbilt a couple games where he got COVID, and um, you know I, I think it would be fine. I think Auburn will be fine long term at safety you know, if they can get a guy like Kaufman. But, you know, depth is is an interesting thing. Um, You look at spring practice, you know, you had had Smoke Monday, you know, uh, really, really doing a a good job there and kind of leading the way for that group. They were mixing and matching. And, you know, Zion Puckett's a dude to to keep an eye out on, um, you know, moving forward, especially if they want to move around dudes to play nickel and dime in this defense. Um, But, you know, it was very telling that – in the you know, second string wise in spring practice because of the injuries because of the depth. A guy like Trey Elson had as, as big of a run as he did um in spring practice and he played really well. You know, I think he stood in the gap for Auburn very admirably. Um but there's just not a ton of depth at safety, just these out and out safeties. Now if Mari Harvey gets healthy and of course with the Bucket getting healthier, you you'll be fine I think. Adding a guy like uh Kaufman would be huge for Auburn. Um but you know you you have a situation right now where um, there's not a whole lot of experience in the back end. There's not a whole lot of depth in the back end outside of Smoke and uh, Thompson. Even though he didn't play, you know, an exorbitant amount last season, um, you know, he 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 got on the field some, got and in, got ingrained in the college game, and I think he's got uh, some really good talent. I mean, I think he's one of the higher-rated guys that have moved on uh, from the program these last couple of cycles. So uh, he'll be great wherever he ends up. But I think it was one of the situations, kind of like I was saying with. Come all Hatton, um, you look up, none of the dudes who recruited you are here anymore. If you're a guy like Thompson, you're farther away from home than most guys on this roster begin from Texas, and uh, there's going to be plenty of schools, I think, around his neck of the woods that are going to want to, want to you know, give him a shot to possibly even start this season, and, you know, just the way spring practice shook out, it didn't look like that was going to be the case for him.
0: Speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, I only asked this question because I'm an Auburn high school graduate, but... Could we see Trey Elston play this year?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a chance that Elston could be a dude that you see a little bit in certain situations. I mean, he he played so well in spring practices. The coaching staff really really likes him. Um, I think he's got kind of a you know a little bit of you know speaking of another dude who's a walk on that's a that's a local kid, Devin Geis. I think he's got a lot of Devin Geis in his game about him. Where it's like physically, he's really good. Um, and, and he plays kind of above his weight as a as a as a walk on. And so you get into a situation in a game and you know, somebody tweaks a knee or something or ankle and they're looking over him on the side. Like you can plug a dude like Elston out there and just steal some snaps with him and you don't feel like you're losing anything, you know, and, and with Auburn having not a, like I said, not a ton of depth of safety, a lot of youth, especially in that safety room. They're trying to kinda play up the development of some of these young guys that are coming in as true freshmen. A dude like Elson played a good bit of football in his career and he played pretty well. Seems like uh when we were out there watching him at practice the few times we did in, in spring, I saw Derek Mason really, really coaching him up. Like a lot of hands on, a lot of lot of a uh, lot of teaching technique and where to be and I mean that's a walk on man. Like you you don't you don't usually get that, that close and personal attention with a walk on if he's just any old walk on. So I think the way Elson played in the spring, um, you know, he might not be a dude who's in the main rotation, but I think he's a guy who definitely has carved himself out to be a, a good special teamer. And I think he's got a little bit of like a Jordan Peters to his game where it's like, all right, if I need to put this dude in here, we're going to be all right. He's not going to screw up. And, uh, you know, I think that that versatility and that veteran, um, you know, savvy that he's got. And I think just pure, just hard work, dude. Dude's got an incredible work ethic. He's a great football player. And uh, I think. I think he, he can play in a, a role on this team, especially if they're not going to be quite as deep uh, at that safety spot as they'd like to be this season.
1: Between freshmen and transfers coming in, who do you think is going to be the top newcomer for Auburn this year?
2: Mm. And I, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see what happens at the edge rusher position opposite of uh, uh, of of Derek Hall. Um, you know, with Jaron Antagon. Um, you know, T D Moultrie's still still on the team. He wasn't around at A at A Day, but you know, I've, I've heard that, you know, he's still he's still gonna be in the mix there. Caleb Johnson had a really good spring as well. But you brought in a transfer in Eku Leota who might that might be his spot. He might, you know, be a guy who stands up more than putting his hand in the dirt like over there where you have Colby Wooden at in this new defense. Um, you also have Dylan Brooks. I'm very curious, do either of those guys really push to make, you know, a big impact in your one? I think I think the easy answer is is going to be Sean Miller because it looks like they're already prepping for him to be a starter and he was such a good disruptive uh, corner out at West Virginia last season that I think he's a he's a good pick to to go with there. And you know, I think if you look at uh, I think if you look up front, um I'd keep your eye out on Lee Hunter. He was really coming on at the end of spring practices. Um physically the dude's got it and he is uh, he's gigantic. Um, is very athletic. Uh, had a reputation in high school for getting in the backfield quickly. Um, he racked up a ton of sacks and, and tackles for loss for a guy his size. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me when he plays, and every time we got to watch him in drills and stuff, he plays very violently with his hands. Uh, he uses a lot of power and a lot of speed to beat guys down the middle. And um, you know, Auburn could use some could use some uh, more help on the on the defensive front. I mean, they're going after Tony Fair from. UAB who's kind of that gap plug in nose. I think, you know, size wise, he's got a lot of that that can play that nose position. you look at defensive tackle after we saw Marquis Burks really emerge in, in spring practices after Jeremiah Wright went down, who's else is gonna be that guy who's gonna, you know, step up again of that rotation where you may not be a nose nose tackle, but if they go like, you know, two down front, who could line up next to guys like Colby Wooden and, and make things happen? I think Lee Hunter's gonna have a chance. I think he's definitely going to have a chance um, with guys like Zacchaeus Walker, uh, you know, in the picture there at, at defensive tackle. So it's it's going to be interesting. I, Hunter's Hunter's got a ton of talent, and uh, I think he's going to be a really good defensive lineman at Auburn in time, and we might see a lot of him sooner rather than later.
0: You bring up UAB grad transfer Tony Fair, who will be making his decision tomorrow. But you know what? What could Auburn be getting at the UAB grad transfer? I mean, it, it kind of feels like. Sometimes folks look down on some of the other in-state schools other than Alabama. Here, what could Auburn be getting on the on the journeyman from Indiana State, JUCO, and UAB? Yeah, this
2: is this is a guy who's got um, a ton of size. He's a really good run stopper. He never was kind of a regular starter at UAB just because of the role he played. But when he got there out there on the field, he made an impact. Um, he is he is uh, very much of the big athletic uh, type of no, nose tackle, and I think he's not just going to be a dude that just you know stands in the gap and just takes on double teams he was a he was an edge rusher not too long ago when he came out of high school he he he's gained nearly 100 pounds since he's since he's graduated high school just he's blown up as a as a defensive tackle and he's got a little bit of that got a little bit of that uh, pass rusher mentality he reminds me a lot of Marquise burks in that aspect but he's huge and i think you know, when you look at Tyrone Truesdale, you know what you're going to get out of him. Who knows? But like, who's who's next behind him, especially with Jeremiah Wright going down? If you're going to play Marquise Burks more of that defensive tackle spot, Lee Hunter more of that defensive tackle, defensive end spot, Zacharius Walker the same way. Who's going to be a guy who can be there and plug it up the middle if they want to go three down? And you know, Tyrone Truesdale's on the sidelines getting a breather; or it's not his time in the rotation or whatever. I think they could use another guy like that, especially with Jay Hardy going out. And so uh, he's Tony Fair is a, a really good player. I think um, you know it's very telling that this is a dude who doesn't rack up a ton of stats at UAB. Um, and is not a regular starter, but he you know I think he was honorable mention and then second team all conference USA is two years at UAB. And uh, I think he's going to play kind of that unsung role uh, that we saw in the past from you know plenty of guys. I mean I think the big one was Dontavious Russell, and I think Tyron Cruzell's done it as well. Um, you're just going to get some depth in that in that capacity, and you know Auburn's defensive line and really the defense in, as a whole doesn't need like these in, instant impact starters all over the place. So getting a guy like Fair who's been around the block a few times and uh, has proven that he can play that role really really well, I think that's a, I think that's a good sign for Auburn if uh, if they can able, if they're able to land him. And um, you know I, I would say that when he makes his decision tomorrow, it's Auburn, Ole Miss, and Purdue, and Auburn seems like the favorite out of that group. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see uh, We'll see what, how it all ends up.
0: Justin, I appreciate it, my man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff and where they can subscribe.
2: Yeah, auburnobserver.com is where you can check it out. Uh, got a lot of stuff there um, you know, covering uh, Auburn football, men's basketball. Uh, we're about to head on up to Birmingham here in a, a couple hours to talk to uh, Brian Arson and Pearl. So we'll have some more stuff on that tomorrow. Uh, in the newsletter, we'll also have a podcast for our subscribers Uh, And You can subscribe there, auburnobserver.com, $6 a month, $60 a year. Uh, Once you sign up, everything we uh, write and everything we do in terms of podcasts gets sent directly to your email inbox to read at your own time. And, uh, yeah, check us out there.
0: Justin, excellent as always. My man, I appreciate it. Hope you have a good evening.
2: Thank you, guys. Y'all be good.
0: That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We wrap up hour number one of On the Line on the other side of this break. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got a little bit of time left in the show, so if you want to call in, call in at 334-321-1390. Before we wrap up the show with our last segment, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Two crime shows on CBS beginning at 7 with NCIS and then following it at 8, it's FBI. Live top 17 results of The Voice on NBC at 7, and right after it at 8, it's a new episode of This Is Us. Some movie selections for tonight, Deadpool 2 is on FX at 6.30, Grown Ups 1 is on Paramount at 6, and Grown Ups 2 is on at 8.30. In live sports, Major League Baseball has one game nationally televised, an AL East clash between the New York Yankees and the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays at 6 on ESPN. College Baseball on ESPN 2 is Oklahoma State against Oklahoma at 7. Teams are racing toward the playoffs in the NBA. Two games are on TNT at 6.30. It's two teams in the thick of the play-in tournament conversation in the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat will take on the Boston Celtics. At 9, Interconference matchup between two of the biggest brands in basketball. The Lakers and the Knicks square off to close out the league schedule. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Sees this coming into this segment which is more likely Ole Miss winning eight or more games or Ole Miss winning excuse me or Ole Miss missing a bowl game so you got Ole Miss winning eight or more games and I'm going to make that regular season games I'm going to say which is more likely Ole Miss winning yes. eight or more regular season games or Ole Miss missing a bowl game This is a tough one because I think the answer truly lies in between these Ole Miss barely making a bowl game or or winning seven games next year. That's how I evaluate this Ole Miss football program going in. But once again, I'll ask you the question, which is more likely Ole Miss winning eight or more regular season games or Ole Miss missing a bowl game in the 2021 season?
1: This might be the easiest question you've asked me since you were talking about Duke <laughs> basketball. Of
0: course they're winning
1: eight regular season games. And yes, I'll make sure I talk about Ole Miss and not Mississippi State in this segment and not just go completely off the wire like I did last, t- last segment that we had. But yeah, I mean, you look at their schedule, there are only two teams that you look at and think they're, you know, that they should lose those games, and that's Alabama and Liberty. Like Those are the only two <laughs> games on that schedule that I think they're a lot to lose. Because, you, you know, you're facing Alabama and then future NFL first-round draft pick Malik Willis at Liberty and probably the greatest college coach of all time in Hugh Freeze, whatever you want to say in that. But I, I, you really look at this schedule, and it's pretty favorable. Louisville, they're going to be a tough out, but Ole Miss is a more talented team. They should win that. You go Austin P Tulane. Those are teams that you
0: should beat. Do we know, though – I go back to this counterpoint here yeah. just, to, just to add a little bit of flavor to the discussion – counterpoint you say that liberty and alabama are two teams that they should lose to and i and i'm not too far off there with you on the liberty point i think you could say that they could lose to a and and auburn or lsu because you see those teams more talented but name me outside of austin p tulane vanderbilt those three right there games that without a doubt you say, yeah, Ole Miss is better than those teams. You can't. I, I feel like they're better than LSU.
1: I feel like they're way better than LSU. Not they, from
0: a talent perspective and what they bring in recruiting-wise across the roster. Maybe what they've been able to do on the scoreboard from an offensive standpoint, and that's decided purely in terms of quarterback talent. Matt Corral is a big difference maker and, there in that discussion. And but. that's
1: why And that's why I think they're just a better football team than LSU. They're going to be able to score points. Look, Ole Miss's defense, they give it up to everybody. But I, I think LSU is going to – like, they're still going to struggle because you still don't have a quarterback on that team that's going to be able to score the football. But can
0: you at least get me there and say that that is a 50-50 game?
1: You think it's a 50-50 game? Like, you think that LSU is a better team than Ole Miss going into next year?
0: I can see a world where five out of ten times those two teams play, LSU is able to beat Ole Miss. LSU beat Florida last year. That, I mean, that's true. And there are teams that will slip up. And Ole Miss – Ole Miss is a team that would be prone to slip up because yes. of how bad their defense is. So when I look at the schedule, I see Austin P, Tulane, and Vanderbilt as games where I'm like, yeah, without a doubt, I'll give them W's in those three games. And they're fortunate to have the SEC East schedule that they do against Tennessee and Vanderbilt. But outside of those three games that I gave you with Vanderbilt, Tulane, and Austin P, I can see them lose to anybody on this schedule. Now I don't see them losing to everybody on this schedule. But you can, and
1: but you can also look at most of these teams and go.
0: Yeah, I can see see him beating them too, and that's and and that's why this
1: is a question. That's why the question is a great question. That's why the question is eight wins or barely you know missing a ball game the answer is
0: truly this is like setting the line and and saying well man i i I don't i it's like throwing in the hook and saying that that nine and a half point favor it's like well i i I think they i think they only win by 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 nine but also could see them winning by ten i there's a
1: reason i mean there's a reason why and i
0: think i think they are a seven and five team at, at at best next year i really do
1: i think they could finish out nine and three i think they really could um and that and that's
0: they also have a lot
1: of games that it helps them out being at home. A and M at home, that's a big that's a big LSU one. LSU at home, LSU at home, Arkansas. I mean, it helps it being at home. I think I still think they're a more talented team than Arkansas, but Mississippi State. You like you never know what you're getting with Mississippi State. By the end of the year, that arm is shot by the quarterbacks in the Mike Leach system. They typically will be inconsistent, but this could be one of those games where you see the Mike Leach air raid upset. I still just think that Ole Miss. It's it's tough to go play in Starfield. Everybody knows that, but I think they win that game. If I'm looking at it, the three losses I think come to Alabama, LSU. I'm sorry, Alabama, Auburn, and Liberty. I think those are the three teams they lose to going into next year, and that's how they end up at that nine and three. But I could also see them. I could see them beating Liberty. Like I mean, they're like talent wise, they're not that far off of each other. I just like the coach, like the coaching on the other side and the quarterback play on the other side a little bit better at Liberty, and I think they can push them a little bit. Auburn, I like what Auburn's going to do and bring to the table at home. Typically, Auburn plays a lot better at home, and I think it will be. And by this time, you'll see this Auburn team kind of getting into that groove and getting into the new system, and you'll probably see a lot of improvement, at least in my opinion. Alabama's a buzzsaw. It's going to take one of those miraculous old old Miss games when Hugh Freeze was there. Look, you, they're, they're lucky. See, with like, they, get, they get the buy, but I don't think that talent-wise they could stack up with Alabama. It's going to take – just one of those fluky see but type all the games. teams
0: that you're bringing up that you say that like yeah they're better than them they're gonna win they lost to last year and I don't think Ole Miss got better I think the other teams did I think LSU fathomably gets better this season maybe not dramatically better like everybody thinks they could but I think they get better Ole Miss got worse they lost some real players they lose their whole line coach during the spring I mean like Next man up. They lost to LSU last season. Next man up. They lost to Auburn last year. They lost to Arkansas last year. I didn't say year. they were going
1: to beat Auburn. I said Auburn was going to be good. I know, but
0: I'm saying they lost to Arkansas. They lost to LSU. It's, I, I, I think it's more of a toss-up than maybe people are giving it credit for at Ole Miss. But that's a that's a conversation that I want to continue throughout the week. We'll, we'll, we'll continue our dive into Ole Miss. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.